that's recording. Yep, it is. It is, it is. Hello, and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at 1 Kings chapter 13 today. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I do apologize for the mess. I'm in the middle of packing my apartment up before I move back to Malaysia. So um, sorry about that. But on to today's passage. This is kind of like a break from packing. Oh, it's so tiring. <laughs> anyway, 1 Kings chapter 13. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. So this guy travels up north. So from Judah to Bethel. And it says there, Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And a man cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, the son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the most of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Ah, yikes. Okay, all right. So he's foretelling a time when all these priests who are there at this altar and they're offering up offerings, they themselves will be the offering. They will be burned on this altar. And remember that this altar is essentially just a big barbecue pit. And so God is going to judge these priests for offering up illegal worship, wrong worship, by putting them on this barbecue pit. Verse 3, and he gave them a sign uh, the same day saying that this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. Um, so the sign that God's going to do this is that he's going to destroy this barbecue pit. Verse 4, and when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. And his hand, which was stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. Frozen. <laughs> dried up. Uh, the altar also was torn down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So when, so just that he said, as he said it would happen, it got destroyed. Verse 6, And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half, your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. So very specific instructions from God. Don't stay there. Don't eat, don't drink anything. And even the way that you go back down to Judah, don't come back the same way. <laughs> so that people can't retrace your steps, I suppose. And uh, maybe also a sign that, you know, there's no way back. You know, this is something that God will definitely do. 
but it's interesting, isn't it? You know, uh, he gives this kind of like mic drop moment. <laughs> he says, this is going to happen, and it actually happens. The altar gets split, gets destroyed, and Jeroboam's hand, as he says, arrest him, gets frozen up. And the king immediately regrets it. He says, pray for me, pray for me. And he prays for him and his hand gets restored. And I guess the king finally gets it. Hey, this guy really is from God. But he doesn't pray for um, this judgment to stop. He just prays for himself to get better. And so it shows again the selfishness and maybe the unrepentance of the king. Now, you need to remember this is the king of the northern kingdom. And he has set up his own place of worship. That's why he's talking about Bethel. It's not Judah. It's not Jerusalem. He set up his own rival to the temple of God. And that's why, you know, that's why God is judging this king. He's essentially set up an idolatrous place of worship. And God is going to pour out judgment on all those who are helping other people to worship idols. You know, these priests, they're going to be burned on the altar. It's a very exciting start. <laughs> we meet this man of God, we meet this king, and we see the sign of the altar being split and destroyed. Let's continue on. Verse 11. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, another prophet. And his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. This was before WhatsApp. His son had to come and tell him, hey, this thing happened down at the temple, the rival temple. They also told to their father the words that he'd spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he mounted it. And he went after the man of God. He chased him and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you. Neither will I eat bread nor eat drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, you shall neither eat bread nor drink water there nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel told me, spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. And no angel appeared to him. He, he made it up. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. So he lied to this fellow prophet, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm one, of, one, of, one of you. We are prophets. We are pastors. We both speak God's word. And God told me that you should do this. He was lying, but the guy believed him. And so he went home with him and he had nasi lemak, <laughs> hung out with him and had some makan, had some food with him in his house. Verse 20, And as they at, sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and eaten bread and drunk water in a place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. <laughs> so, wow. Okay, so a word of judgment 
comes to this man who disobeyed God's word. But what's interesting, what's so interesting, is the fact that this word comes to the guy who lied to him in the first place. So the old guy who said, God told me to do this, and actually God didn't. Well, God spoke to him, speaking this word of judgment to the prophet. And that's so interesting, because that means he really does know God. He really does speak for God. But in some instances, he can speak for himself, saying it's from God and it isn't. And in other instances, God can really speak through him this word of judgment. Interesting. Verse 23, And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion, <laughs> a lion met him on the road and killed him. <laughs> killed him. And his body was thrown in the road and the donkey stood beside him. This is the donkey that he was riding. He was still standing there. And the lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. So, hey, there's a dead body and a lion standing next to the body. <laughs> Verse 26, And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. <laughs> I'm almost saying he deserved it. He disobeyed God's word. But this is the guy who made up God's word. No, he disobeyed it. And therefore, God judged him. This guy has a lot of cheek. <laughs> and he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And he saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in a road and a donkey and a lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. That's so strange. You know, this lion did not kill the man out of hunger. And he did not kill the donkey that was next to him. You know, he just stood there showing how unnatural it is, but how supernatural it is. God's judgment has come by sending this lion to kill this prophet. So definitely, this is definitely something that God has done. Verse 29, And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. So strange. Verse 32, For the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. So it's almost like a sign, you know, because everything he said will surely come true. Again, why? Because this thing came true. Because of this word of judgment on this man, therefore this bigger word of judgment on the whole of Israel, on the high places will definitely come true. So in a way, this false prophet, I guess, you can call it that, really was a real prophet. But again, his motivation of saying this is so sus, is so weird. You know, he wants to be buried next to him. Because somehow, again, he wants to be associated with this man of God. The same way that he wanted him to come back home. You know, he wants to be, he wants to be seen with him. He wants to be identified with him. And he wants to be seen maybe as one of the good guys, I guess one of the people who speaks for God. 
but it's still kind of suspicious. It's just so wrong because in the end, God kills the real prophet and God lets this, <laughs> this false prophet live. What's going on? It's so strange. It's so wrong even. But anyway, a couple more verses. Let's finish up this chapter, verse 33. After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again, that word again, from among all the people. That means he didn't repent. He saw the sign, he didn't repent. He saw the destruction, and for a moment he said, oh, heal me, oh, come back with me. But in the end, he went back to his old ways. And so he appointed again people who are not supposed to be priests to become people who help people to worship idols. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places, and this thing became a sin to the house of Jeroboam so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. So very interesting, verse 34 said, this thing became a sin so that it would be destroyed. Now, that's very different from saying this, this place is going to be destroyed because of sin, but saying God caused them to sin. It's saying God actually caused this unrepentance in his heart so that you know, he would destroy all these places of false worship. And I guess, I guess this kind of explains Jeroboam, it explains um, the, even the false prophet, because you're wondering, you know, why is it, why is it that these guys, you know, um, are let off in a way, you know, because, you know, Jeroboam, his hand was frozen, but then it was restored. And this false prophet, you know, he doesn't get killed, but the real prophet gets killed. It's a sign of God's patience on the one hand, you know, hey, there's still opportunity for them to repent. But it's also a sign of his hardening to show that a greater judgment is coming that they deserve this judgment, they deserve this, um, this, this punishment because they will not respond to any word of God, no matter how gracious or how powerful it is. And I guess that, therefore, um, therefore the comparison is not between, um, you know, the man who's so unfair, this guy, you know, who speaks God's word, the real guy who comes from Judah, you know, he gives them this real word from God, he gets judged, and these guys who don't get judged. But I think it shows again that at the end of the day, God's word will always reach fulfillment. Whether it's through this person's judgment or through this person's kind of like leniency, you know, the person who seems to get away, it still reflects God's judgment that is coming. It's just whether it's short term or long term. And at the end of the day, I guess the message for us, or the message for someone like me is, am I obedient today? You know, you can be telling other people, and you can be maybe even envious of other people. How come that guy, the guy over there, he's, he's getting away with all this? But the main message is, am I obedient? You know, am I listening to this? You know, and this guy who gets judged immediately is the real thing. You know, he, the consequences are even greater for him because he really is speaking God's word. And therefore, you know, for people who are like doing this kind of podcast, podcast, on, talking about God's word online, or pastors or Bible study leaders, you know, you spend your time telling other people to obey, to give their lives, to trust in God. When we do not do that, when we do not obey God, when we turn away from His Word, I think the consequences are greater because it displays at the end of the day, even through our disobedience, you know, that God's Word will always remain true. How does this link to Jesus? You know, Jesus, the one who was judged, who did die on the cross. I think it shows that he really was obedient 
unto death. You know, he was obedient not just during his life, but especially during the moments when he was pinned to the cross, when he was dying on the cross. It showed that he was obedient all the way to the end, and therefore his resurrection. God raising him from death vindicates him as the one who had God's approval and the one who obeyed God's word all the way to the end. What does this passage teach us? It's a quite interesting passage. You know, it's one of those passages you teach in Sunday school. Everyone will remember it. But the challenge is how then do you apply it? <laughs> because you remember the story, you say, got lion, got donkey, got this broken pit. You know, how does this apply to us? Well, it shows whether long-term or short-term, God's word will be fulfilled. Whether short-term, you know, this man of God gets killed by the lion, or long-term, you know, King Josiah comes and destroys all these places of worship and therefore destroys all this idolatry. Long-term or short-term, God's word is fulfilled. But for us, are we obeying God's word today? Am I taking this serious today? Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word that speaks to us today, helping us to see how this word is everlasting helping us to respond to your goodness, to your graciousness, to your forgiveness, even right now, even today. Help us to do this by your Spirit. Help us never to take this for granted and help us to live out, to speak out this word with every breath of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening or watching. This has been the Daily Bible Reading Show, looking at 1 Kings chapter 13. Take care and God bless. Bye. Shoo.